everyone. Welcome back to Hair the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me Chase. What up? <laughs> and we are a paranormal horror podcast that likes telling each other scary stories and basically drink while we do it. So, Chase, what are we drinking today? <laughs> well, it's totally late at night, and we need to get this episode out. And if we drink, we're not going to be able to edit. So we got to be lamos. So the answer is water. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super cold, ice cubes and everything. So at least we're doing it right. Speak for yourself. Uh, my water is warm in my water bottle. It's right, sad well, water. That's awful. I'm drinking super cold, delicious <laughs> ice water. Yeah, you are correct. I was planning on having some wine, but I do have to edit later. And that just doesn't seem like a very good combination. I've done it before. But it takes me like twice as long, (laughs) and I'm pretty sure I leave in a lot of things that I would have otherwise edited, but that's okay. Like a hiccup here, or a (laughs) couple ums. I'm just like, we all um, I'm just going to leave them all in there. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, uh, today we have a couple of stories for you. This time Chase has one, and so do I. But before we get to the main stories this week, there's a tiny little addition to last week's story. If you hadn't heard last week's episode, I highly recommend you take the time and give it a listen. I had a particularly amazing time with that episode, and I think it's one of those must-listen ones. It's just (laughs) a good one. It's worth your time. So last week, Lily talked about the Waverly Hills Sanatorium near Louisville, Kentucky. It's one of the few places that takes the whole, one of the most haunted places on Earth tag, but it actually makes a compelling argument for why that might actually be true. Yes. It is a super haunted place, and it's absolutely freaky. Well, after the episode, I needed to look it up so I could make sure I wrote the title correctly and the description, and I didn't want to misspell things and all that jazz. So while looking it up, Google brought up a rather interesting article, and I felt the information would be a good addition to all the awesome stories that Lily told us about the sanatorium. So if you want to know more about the Waverly Hills, give last episode a listen. But all you need to know in case you didn't and you want to keep going, for this next bit... It is an incredibly run-down and dilapidated building that has all the hallmarks of a haunted hotspot. The place is massive, spooky, and dangerous to be in. It's open for ghost tours and is quite a popular haunted destination. But apparently, some of the people who go there aren't there for the pleasure or curiosity of it all. Because sometimes, the military comes by. The military? Right? Why? So... Apparently, back in 2017, Kentucky Guard members did training exercises at Waverly Hills. And according to the article, other law enforcement has done it in the past as well. But on February 7th through 8th of 2017, the 41st Civil Support Team conducted night missions in the decrepit sanatorium. Major (laughs) Joseph Witt, commander of the unit, said, quote, That's what we have to do, to train to go into places others don't want to, end quote. And according to the article, the team was tasked with searching for and identifying a simulated biological threat in the five-story building. So although Mm. they claim to not have seen any ghosts during this particular operation, many of the soldiers found it to be incredibly creepy and spooky and a little terrifying. So they also plan on doing future training at this location, so it's only a matter of time before these soldiers start seeing some of them ghosts. At least that's what they probably are saying. Who knows what they might have heard or... They didn't want to be like... Perhaps. Yeah, like, do you really want to be the first one to say anything? I don't know. Especially being a soldier, they're supposed to be like, you know, a top tier of, like, no fear. (laughs) 
<laughs> kind of thing. Exactly. Well, I so, thought it was kind of interesting because they're like, ooh, a haunted place. What a perfect place to send our military. And I'm like, and what exactly do you plan on sending these people to eventually? Yeah, right. So it's I don't know about you. Very scary. But it's a probably a good thing to train soldiers in haunted buildings because if there's one thing Hollywood movies have taught us, it's that when the military is brought in, they're often ill-prepared for whatever supernatural tomfoolery is happening in the movie. <laughs> so maybe this is prepping them so they're not going to be the Hollywood military. They're going to be the ones that come in and kick some ghost ass. Yeah, they're like, no matter the situation, ghosts or not, be prepared. Which I, I mean, find... granted, it's like, you know, the Civil Patrol as opposed to, like, the Marines. But well, I, we I mean, bring... yeah, but still, training is training. I training mean, is training. They're, they're more trained than I am, I'll tell oh, you that. Oh, God, I couldn't so... do any of the stuff these people do. <laughs> right. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting where I was like, all right, this haunted place is, it's a good enough venue and a like messed up enough venue. They're like, this is good for military training. Right. That should help persuade some of you who are like, maybe it's worth seeing. Maybe it's not absolutely worth seeing this place. Yeah, I definitely want to go. I think we should go one day. Kentucky, here we come. (laughs) So anyway, once again, if you haven't heard last week's episode, go back and do it. It was a good one. It's really awesome, and that'll make what I just told you even more interesting. So that's all I have. So you can, we can start with the stories. Well, now. thanks for sharing. I, I didn't. I don't think I even ran into anything like that when I did my research. Although I'm more focused on the building itself, not so much like what it's been doing. But yeah, that that is pretty cool. Well, Google, you know how it like gets information and profiles for you, and so it yeah. caters search results to you. I look up a lot of news and stuff, so it's like, ooh, recent news relating to this, boom, and that's yeah. that's why it gave it to me. Yeah, I guess it's true. That's all right. Well, anyway, I have another story for you today, and I think it's pretty interesting in itself. I, I haven't done something like this in a while, so I'm pretty excited about it. It's called The Catskills Crone. The what? Yeah, I know, same. <laughs> like Catskill or Cat Kills? Cats. Skill, cat skills. Cat skills crone. Right. So like an old crone. Like an old crone. If you but basically when I first heard this, I'm like, what are these terms doing together? You know, to be honest, so, it sounds like a card game because they always had the stupidest names and they're like, always a hard to pronounce. Yeah. Like what? I don't know. <laughs> Good one. Now that you put me on the spot. <laughs> Like, I can think of something on top I of my head. I couldn't think of anything either. I was like, what do you mean? But, I mean, whenever you play, like, so it's like, hey, have you played this new card game? And it's always got, like, some dumb name, like... Like Old Maid? Well, I mean, that's, like, an old established <laughs> game. I mean, they're, they're called, like, this is called, like, Rumble Butt. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> we need to invent a game now called Rumble Butt is what is happening. <laughs> Only if the play pieces can be beans, because it just makes sense. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> okay. So I actually looked up, you know, obviously it was, it, this is a haunted object uh, episode. So basically. Oh, so it's an object. So it's an object. But first I needed to find out why it was called that. And so the Catskill is a mountain range in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's located in the southeastern part of the state. And Crone, as you kind of mentioned before, is defined as an old woman who is thin and ugly. Which is So accurate. this is an old, ugly woman mountain. So this, <laughs> no, the object is not the mountain itself, but rather a statue that was found within it. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, the, the term crone can also have another kind of more supernatural or magical, magical element to it. Uh, very similar, or an example that a lot of times is used is the Baba Yaga, 
which we did cover. Baba Yaga. The Baba Yaga in episode 25. It has other meanings in other contexts, but in this story, it really is referring to an ugly woman. So we're going to stick to that one. So let's start from the beginning. The original story was posted on Reddit under our paranormal. Damn Reddit. Damn Reddit. If it weren't for Reddit, we'd have like half the content we do. Yeah. Actually, that's very true. Uh, titled, Me and a Friend Found This Creepy Statue While Hiking and Now Strange Things Are Going On. Anyone know oh, what it is? So, so this isn't like an age-old object. This is like, this is the new hotness. This is, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> it's like, it's like a new thing. It's like contemporary haunted object. So, yes, as in found recently-ish, if that's what you mean. And remind me of the date. Okay, so I haven't said it. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, you often say the dates and it just goes straight over my head because I don't retain knowledge very well, which it's amazing. I even passed college. Sure. But, but, okay. Passed college? <laughs> See, and that's why it's even more amazing that I got my degree because I, I, just, I just called it passing college. <laughs> I too passed college. <laughs> hey, Jace, how's college? Pass or fail? <laughs> Oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> Tomorrow they're going to show up at my door to take my degree back. They're like, you don't have like, sir. That's an idiot. You're like, do you want to donate, actually? <laughs> we need more education, apparently. Um, okay. So this post was brought to us by Wigged Hiker Throwaway. It's spelled weird, but that's how you would pronounce it. Obviously, this person had did not want to post it on their main account, which I don't blame them. So here is their story that the first... <laughs> they don't want to sully the good name of their other of made their up main name. account, which is probably like <laughs> butt plug 23 or something. <laughs> Can't believe 22 were taken. Yeah. <sighs> There's 22 other ones out there. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this was actually posted on January 9th, 2016. So that's the date for you. Okay. I'm going to call him now Wigged Hiker from now on. Wigged so, Hiker? Wigged Hiker. Like cool. he's wigged out. I, I'm just going to imagine a hiker with like, with a big worm wig <laughs> like on. an ugly wig? Just big worm. <laughs> big worm wig. <laughs> Them curlers. <laughs> so first I'm going to paraphrase because it's, it's kind of a long thing that he had. Wigged Hiker and his friends were out hiking in the Catskills near Sundown Forest. They went a little off the trail, and they discovered some caves. As they were exploring, they found a small, creepy statue. It had nails going through where the eye sockets would have been, mm. and a noose around its neck. They also noticed that someone had recently had a fire in the cave and mentioned it was strange since the cave was off the trail and well hidden. Which I guess what I understand what they mean, but they seem to have found it just fine. Anyway. I'm sensing satanic ritual. Perhaps. Even though they were a little creeped out by it, the friend decided to take the statue home with him. Wait, what? Okay, I was imagining a pretty big statue. <laughs> okay, so let me clarify, because this is, I'm just reading the story of how it was written, so at first you're kind of okay. like, okay, what is what is going on? But you are correct. The statue is small, so it, it was manageable. I mean, can we get a, like a rough yeah. estimate? We're talking about like the size of like a cat. Okay, so I looked at it. I you know I just mm -hmm. googled pictures because he does provide. Oh, these. so you you got to see it. He you do get to see it. He provides pictures in his post as well. So, it looks like the size of a regular water bottle, like the one that you would purchase at a store. Oh, so you know, so like, it's like it's like a little it's idol, like or a handheld statue. Yeah, exactly. The figure is carved out of wood, 
It has a carved face with large eye sockets, and within each socket has three nails embedded. So Each socket each has socket. three. So there's six total. Yeah. Mm. The noose is a small white rope around its neck. The bottom half appears to be like a full-length skirt, so it, it kind of gives the impression that it might be a woman. So now I'm now I'm getting total voodoo doll vibe. Yeah, so that is some of the comments that a lot of people replied to, mm. uh, had had predicted or, or at least assumed as well. Now, Wigged Hiker also mentions that he was not interested in even touching the thing because he had always heard stories of devil worshippers going into the woods and performing their rituals and casting spells. Mm. So this is already kind of like a lore within that, those mountains, like, you know, just the creepiness that comes with it. A couple of days later, the friend calls Wigged Hiker and says that he believes the statue is haunted. He claims that the statue has moved on its own, like in different parts of the room. He's constantly smelling strange odors, but can never figure out where it's coming from. He also can't sleep at night because he hears loud banging. Sounds like he might be playing some rumble butt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another round of rumble butt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry, the idol. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, most recently, someone had knocked on his front door. When he went out to check who it was, no one was there. He is now fully convinced that the statue brought in with him a ghost. Now, Wade Tiger provided pictures, like I said, and you can just look them up online. Hmm. Now, uh, within just a few hours, the post had a lot of people commenting and guessing where the statue came from. Some said voodoo. <laughs> Others uh, confirmed it was satanic, but ultimately no one really knew what it was or where okay. it came from. Now, of course, like any good Reddit post, there is an edit, so he provides more information. So now I'm actually going to read directly to his update, although I will say that I corrected a lot of grammar and also kind of deleted some repetitiveness that I thought was irrelevant. Okay. So here we go. My friend showed up here at like 11.30 p.m. He's out of his mind scared. I'm going to do my best to remember everything he told me because it was a lot. But long story short, he's sleeping over because something is in his house. We found the statue on Sunday, and like I said, I told him not to take it because it gave me bad vibes. But he took it anyway. He's been an atheist as long as I've known him, so so when he told me that something was going on, I thought he was just fucking with me because <laughs> he knows I watch paranormal shows, and he's always making fun of me he's for an it. an easy target. An easy target. It started out with only knocks and bangings, but he said that by Wednesday, he started waking up in the middle of the night feeling like someone was watching him. Mm. Yeah. This kept happening throughout the week, and every time he'd wake up, he would smell a really strong scent like pond water. He just ignored it until a few days ago when the statue moved from his desk into his living room. He says that every night since Thursday, it has moved into a different room than where he left it. He thought it was just his dog moving it around because it smelled funny. But his dog won't even go near it. Ooh. Yeah, that's... See, that to me, it's always the dog. It's always, like, you know, That's why you and me will die from something like this, because we don't have dogs. Yeah. Or animals, (laughs) because you're you're allergic to all these fuzzy things, so... Uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna get like you're gonna bring home something that you bought at like Goodwill or the, or the antique stuff. store or yeah. whatnot, and totally a dog would have informed us, but it <laughs> won't happen. We're just gonna start smelling weird stuff and die. Yeah, just be like, oh, it's the pipes. I don't know what to do. So he says that his dog actually uh, peed in the house three nights in a row, which is something she's never done before. Mm. So the dog is very scared. Last night, someone knocked on his door at three in the morning, but when he went to go open it, there was no one there. 
His motion lights weren't even on, and there weren't any cars in his driveway. He said that he opened up the door to look outside, and that's when he knew that he he made a big mistake. He just felt like he shouldn't have opened the door. So it's almost like maybe he welcomed something in? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. At this point, I didn't have any reasons not to believe him, because it had gone way beyond a joke, and he actually sounded really, really scared on the phone. He kept telling me that he was going to burn the statue because he knows that something followed him home. Anyway, he stayed up all night and then decided to go to a movie to take his mind off of it. When he got home, he said he felt like everything was fine, but he decided to finally go to bed. This is when it gets super fucked up. Mm. I was like, it's already pretty messed <laughs> I up. I was like, wait, what? See, so let me just let me just state where I'm at. Okay. I, there's this huge part and it's like, okay, this is a Reddit post. The credibility it has is almost to zero. So we're still at like, okay, it's just Reddit, right? Yeah. yeah and, you know, I've seen, like, you've seen the statue. I haven't seen it. You've seen yeah. the statue. And I'm like, yeah, see, he could have created that himself. He's just creating a cool story. Mm-hmm. What sub was it on again? Paranormal. Okay. So I'm like, this is easily could be totally fake. That said, the way they're describing what's happening is actually legitimately freaking me out a little bit. Ooh, and okay. I'm like, I'm like, this is a Reddit post. I keep telling myself, no, this is a Reddit post. It doesn't matter. But then I hear something else. And I'm like, Okay, this is just, it's just good writing. So even if it is fake, yeah. this is good writing. Uh, you're welcome. I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good editing, too. It's yeah. good editing, uh, too. Yeah. A credit to the editor, I think. All right. Okay. So anyway, um, he says he felt that everything was fine, and he decided to finally go to bed, and that's when, like I said, things got really fucked up. He says that when he woke up around 10 p.m., it was because his dog was barking like crazy. He said the pond water smell was stronger than ever, Mm. and when he went out into the hallway, he saw all of the muddy footprints everywhere. What? Yeah. Are they little tiny footprints? He says not like shoe prints, but barefoot. But are they like tiny, like the size of the statue, (laughs) or are they like... Like, I'm wondering if he's got like a little brownie running around? the way, the impression I get, they're like full-size human, like adult footprints, yeah. Because everyone wants those little guys from Willow to come running around. Willow. They oh, sound the, the, the brownies. The brownies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They seem like a blast. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so big old feet. Bare feet. Yes, bare feet. Okay. Um, all of his doors and windows were locked after, and he had done this after someone had knocked on his door, and he freaked out and made sure that everything was locked. Which, by the way, people, people just should always have their locked doors and windows. So mm. I don't know what what he was doing before but anyway (laughs) sitting in the living room was the fucking statue which had moved again and he says that when he started to go near it he heard someone breathing and he says quote like his grandpa with his tracheotomy end quote he peaced the fuck out and now he he and his dog are sleeping in my guest room tonight i've never seen him scared or this scared and even started crying i know that everyone says to not burn it or whatever so what the fuck do we do he wants me to go to his house to get the statue tomorrow, but I'm too freaked out to take it back to where we found it because I don't want to see whoever put it there. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so this is edit two Okay. on the post. He says, sorry, I haven't posted. Things got worse yesterday night, so we sent the statue to the guy in the comments today. So far, so good. Thanks to everyone who actually tried to help and didn't just call us a couple of idiots. <laughs> okay. Once again, this could still be a lie. This could still be a lie. Mm. Except here I am, holding more pieces of paper. So there's more to the story. But he might have created another throw account, so like, it's me. They sent me the statue. <laughs> it's me, the commenter. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that, that is possible, except here we go. 
it would appear this is, like I said, where the story ends. But it turns out that the statue was given to a couple who currently run a traveling museum of the paranormal and occult. Ooh. Yeah. Their names are Dana and Greg Newkirk. I learned that they were pretty prolific in the paranormal community. They had a paranormal investigative show called Hellier. You and I have heard of that, remember? Mm -hmm. I think your sister recommended it, but we haven't really... You haven't seen it. No. So the first season was released free on YouTube, but the second season at one point was only streaming on Amazon. It might be on YouTube now, but I'm not sure. Gotta seek it out. Yeah. So I found the couple's weekly news site called Week in Weird. The article that they wrote was called, quote, The Crone of the Catskills. This cursed carving brings visits from a terrifying paranormal entity, end quote. Mm. So they talked about how one of their production assistants had stumbled on Wigged Hiker's story on Reddit, which the couple then decided to reach out and provide their contact information in case he needed any help. That same day, they got an email from Danny, which is his real name, the, uh, the Wigged Hiker guy, and... Greg Newkirk says that he gave him a device that he should return the statue where he found it and apologize for stealing it. And so he said also that if Danny and his friend were too scared to do this, then Greg was willing to take it off his hands and see what he can do about it. Mm -hmm. Now, Danny responded with this email. Thanks for the advice. Today we went back to my friend's house to get the statue and return it. When we got there, I saw the muddy footprints he was talking about, and the whole place smelled like a dog that just rolled around in the dirt. His dog wouldn't even go into the house. He went to show me where the statue was when he left last night, but it was gone. When we found it, it was in the hallway, and there was a big crack in the wall like it had been thrown there. He swears that he never touched the thing and left it in the living room. We were standing in the hallway talking to this thing when his dog started barking like crazy outside. And when we went to go see what was going on, we both thought that we saw a woman standing in the dark corner of his living room. She was totally naked, really old and dripping water. And her eyes sort of glowed in the dark. She was hunched over near the shelves. We both freaked out and ran outside. This was in the middle of the day. Whoever it was wasn't there when we went back in. We grabbed the statue and apologized again wrapped it in a pillowcase, and put it in a box. To answer your questions, I didn't see any jewelry or pictures or anything by the statue, but there were a lot of leaves covering everything. There was some broken glass and a cup near the fire. My friend says he thinks there might have been some hair on it, and he brushed it off without thinking much about it. We don't remember any weird symbols or anything in the cave. There were a lot of twigs piled around the foot of the statue, but that's it. Right now, it's sitting in the trunk of his car at his house, Give me your address and we'll mail it to you tomorrow. So that was like basically the end of the communication. And I think Danny's story basically ends here too. So Dana and Greg received the package a few days later. And sure enough, the statue was still wrapped in the pillowcase. The first thing they noticed when they unwrapped it was that the statue and the nails looked weathered. But the noose looked relatively new. So mm. they, they were kind of like archiving it and trying to study it, obviously, because they're, they're investigators as well. The couple proceeded to take pictures, and when they were done, they put the statue in their office and went about their day like like normal. It wasn't until later that evening, while the couple were in their living room watching a movie, that they heard loud sounds coming from the office. At first, they thought it was the cats, but when they went to go check, they noticed that the door was still locked. And when they looked in the office, he saw that everything looked normal. That is until he looked down, and he, as he put it, quote, 
almost stepped on Jesus, end quote. Apparently, there had been a crucifix mounted on the wall, and somehow only the figurine of the crucifix broke off and was thrown across the room. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really creepy. Well, most of the figurine anyway, because I guess part of his arm was still stuck on the crucifix on the wall. So, But anyway, it was still obviously creepy. purposely broken off. Yeah, yeah. The unsettling part was that the crone, as this is what we're going to call it now, the Catskill crone, the crone was sitting on the table right under where the crucifix was mounted. I should also mention that the nails were on the cross were missing, so that's kind of weird. After this, the couple placed the crone under 24-hour surveillance and uh, with a motion-activated camera. Nothing was captured on camera until March 2nd, between 3 to 4 a.m. The camera was triggered three times. The video is posted on YouTube. You can watch it. Ooh. Yeah. You see the statue move ever so slightly left to right. They also say that the statue had its own light source, which I kind of see what they mean. You have to kind of look at the video. Mm-hmm. Um, the couple would later learn that the video they posted had an effect on people who watched it. By the way, by the time I learned that this affected viewers, I had already watched it five times. Did it have an effect on you? Uh, no, everything that's wrong with me was before the statue, so don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um If you are a member, you actually get access to the live feed. So some of the things that people experienced was power outages. Their electronics would freak out. Their eyes would burn. They would have actually strange smells in the house. And one person even claimed to have been visited by the crone itself. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the people that said that, like I said, had the subscription or paid access whatever just watching a live feed so they were watching a live feed that night is what she was saying and then later that night she dreamt of an old woman whispering in her ear saying that the nails from the crucifix were fed to greg while he was sleeping then when she woke up she felt a weight on her back she then started to feel its limbs sliding on both sides of her body like it was trying to like cradle her kind of thing mm. and then eventually disappeared After reading this, Greg did recall that soon after the crucifix incident, he did experience excruciating stomach pains for weeks or like a week or something like that. So I don't know. It's kind of a strange coincidence kind of thing. Did he poop little nails? Not that he was looking for. No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he was actually like trying to figure out what was it, but but he didn't know this until much after anyway. So weeks later, Dana called Greg over and asked him, why did you stand on the couch after taking a shower? When he looked at what she was referring to, he saw two wet footprints on the couch. He told her it's been hours since he showered, so it could not have been him. In the following weeks, the couple would endure a strong smell of pond water and algae. They also began to feel incredibly paranoid and have a great sense of dread. So now we're, I think like at this point, I mean, whatever you want to believe, but it's no longer just a Reddit post. It's no longer just a Reddit post. People who apparently have some sort of presence in the supernatural community. Yeah, like this is what they do. They're they're more investigative. They're trying to find the truth, etc. So if the Reddit post was a lie, that means these people are also lying. Yeah, exactly. They're either both lying or I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions, but or something creepy is happening. Something yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. This sounds more than just a little creepy. This sounds like outright demonic. It's so demonic. I everything I'm reading, I'm like a really hateful witch woman maybe, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's just, it's very strong, whatever it is. 
So after weeks of intense smells, the couple decided to finally talk to the statue directly, which I was a little shocked to hear, to be honest, because I thought at this point they would have talked to it, especially since that's the advice they had given Danny. Totally. But anyway, so this is where they are now. Essentially, they told the crone that it needed to respect their house or else it was going to be locked up. They also said that they were willing to help whatever it was that they were, uh, like, going through, maybe whatever, crossover, I'm not sure. All the horror movies I've seen suggest that this was a really bad thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, I mean, it was nice of them, Never but I don't know. Never supposed to help anything like that. <laughs> right. But they, but they did say to the statue that they were no longer going to tolerate tantrums, as they put it. As soon as Greg finished talking to it, the couple heard rushing water coming from the other side of the house. They ran towards it, but as soon as they entered the hallway, it stopped immediately. Now, right after that, they heard a loud something loud hit the floor in the living room. They went back there and saw that the statue had fallen off the table. The, I guess it was on the coffee table and rolled underneath the TV stand. Greg went over to pick up the statue, so as he was crouched down to retrieve it, Dana screamed and ran over to Greg because she had to catch the TV that was about to fall on his head. So Mm. they're like, what the F? But they had no time to really process what had just happened because the lights began to flicker, and then they heard three loud knocks that resonated from all directions, causing the picture frames to tremble. After this incident, the couple had no choice but to wrap it back in its pillowcase and store it away in a box with a lock. So, you know, when when Greg was trying to talk to the statue, it was trying to say, like, look, we can live live peacefully. You can be out here. We can help you, blah, blah, blah. Or we're going to lock you away. And as you can tell, the statue chose it was not going to comply. And I'm totally the guy who's like, is there a river nearby? <laughs> just throw it back. Because I know where this thing can go. I would just throw it back in the mountains. I'm like, here you go. Like, I don't know what to do with well, this. I don't want someone else to find it, but, you know, put it like a weight on it, throw it in there, and yeah. it'll either it'll either disappear and never be seen again or become a Batman villain. One of the two. One of the two. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, the, the crone is now on the traveling museum. Of the paranormal and the occult is what it's called. So the the couple actually does take the artifact with them on this, along with all their other haunted artifacts. Uh, the couple do have a strict rule, though, that no one is to touch the crone. However, they soon realize that the rule was almost pointless because most Everyone visitors... Touch it. No, no, nobody really wants to touch it. Like, they, it has a natural, like, effect on people where they want to avoid it. So they, they have this Except rule. Except for the guy who sees it in the middle of the woods and goes, you know what I'd like to do? Exactly. Take that home. But I would also like to say that most people that would go to this traveling haunted artifact tour thing are more than likely going to be believers to That's spend fair. that money. That's so fair I don't know. to say. That's yeah. fair to say. So others uh, who have gone to see this have said that they also have a burning sensation in their eyes the moment they look at it. Others feel fear and anxiety the moment the box is opened. And others even claim to smell the pond water. Ooh. Yeah. So I think that's very interesting. Pond water is not a pleasant smell. No. And it's, you know, they've described it like it's dirty. It's like algae. It's, you know, we all kind of know what that smells like. Even just the scent of a dirty, wet dog. It's a very similar kind of like Slightly decomposing. Yeah. Yeah. A little gross. The couple have allowed many mediums to examine the statue. And most seem to agree that whatever is attached is not human. Although some do say that it might be, but a lot of them are getting, like, demonic. They also believe that the location of where the statue was found might provide more information. 
It was likely a place where rituals were performed often. Greg and Dana have since tried to reach out to Danny, but like I said, communication kind of ceased. And especially since it was a throwaway account when they first posted the story, they're not able to really get in contact. Plus, I would also argue that Danny and his friend probably don't want anything to do with it, so they just wouldn't yeah, respond anyway. Yeah, I bet anyway. they're ready for their lives like, to go somewhere else. let me... I'm not even going to be part of this, yeah. So that is the story. That's where it is. It's just traveling about the world, you know? So no touchy. would you ever want to go see it? Yeah, I, I'd totally go see it. You're crazy. So, <laughs> well, I'm not going to, like, keep it or steal it or something. Here's the way I see it. If this whole story is fake, why do I need to see a fake little doll? And if this story is true... Why the hell would I want to see something demonically possessed? <laughs> I, Either way, I'm not going to win. It doesn't no seem win. like it totally attaches to someone. Yeah, but what can I get out of seeing it in person that I couldn't get from the safety of a computer screen? But you're not safe at a computer screen. It has affected people uh, I'm, outside. I'm going to say, even if this is 100% a true story... People getting reactions from watching it, I don't buy one bit. Okay. 100% not with that. Because there's people out there that if you tell them, you know, oh, hey, if your ear starts itching soon, it means you have cancer. Their ears are going to start itching that night (laughs) because they're going to manifest it in their mind. Yeah. So, no, I don't trust other people saying something happened to me after I watched it on the screen. Don't believe that. Well, I mean, some of it is like, you know, lights flickering. I mean, that's a little different than just, Yeah, but if, if... 300 people are watching something the chances of something like a light just flickering it happens in our house too on occasion no it doesn't it does every now especially at our last place oh well that but was just a, a disaster that was like such an old electrical yeah <laughs> so i um, I, I mean if we're gonna believe that this is real and it's a very creepy story so if it's real it's definitely creepy i'm still not gonna buy the people online but it's terrifying, and I don't want to see it. So, because if it's real, I don't want to see it. If it's fake, but you still I don't want to see it. So, it's very interesting how you perceive this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I find it like fascinating, and plus, I think like it's the whole thing. If if the only thing traveling was the crone, I'd probably be like, eh. But it has other cool stuff with them that they take, and also it's part of like a bigger event. Usually, they go specifically to like events where other people are there blah 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 like haunted conventions yeah like conventions i guess and whatnot and they do have other artifacts on there that they allow people to touch so so yeah that's my story that's the cat scratch crone (laughs) cat scratch crone the cat skills cat skills because it's uh yeah it's like a place it's actually it's an actual place i guess it's just north of the appalachian trail oh okay and appalachian trail is full of plenty of hauntings and true crime stuff in fact, very unsavory stuff in general. Yeah, it's got a lot of its own stories of its own, which we did cover. Oh, God, I don't even remember what episode that was. We covered one story. No, I, the, the Appalachian Trail? Did you cover it as a general thing, or did you just cover, like, one creepy thing? Oh, so I covered... I, it was more like a story thing. Like, I I ex- explained what it was and, and all the creepy things that have happened. Just a couple of people's experiences and whatnot. Mm. So, yeah. I like how you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, that was a while ago. We've done a lot of these episodes, and we're going to keep going, so. Oh, my God. So, anyway, it was a great episode. (laughs) It was awesome. Best episode Best episode you remember. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, so I think right now we're going to take a break, because I need more water. You need more tepid water, and I need more ice. 
Okie dokie, we're back. I have my water, and Chase, you have my story. (laughs) (laughs) I stole it. I stole (laughs) it. So I'm super excited about my story today. It's not UFOs, it's not tropical, and it's not New Mexico. I'm breaking (laughs) away from tradition because I ran into something rather amazing that caught my attention. Today, I'm doing a cryptid, which to me are possibly the best part of all things horror. Be it folklore, stories, movies, or podunk gift shops in the middle of nowhere, cryptids are the combination of fear and imagination personified in physical form. This particular cryptid is definitely bordering on the true crime end of the spectrum, to be honest, mostly because it's still a mystery. I'm so curious on what the hell this is. And to think I only found out about this a few days ago. Actually, I'm going to elaborate later on how I'd heard of this way long ago, but didn't know what it was until I heard it again. Today, I'm going to tell you the tale of Spring-Heeled Jack, a terrifying man or possibly creature with eyes that glowed red like flames and with claws for hands. It wore white clothing hidden beneath a black cloak and his head devilish in its composition, although some claim it was a mask or a helmet. So to tell this tale, we must go back to October of 1837 to an area of South London known as Clapham. A servant girl by the name of Mary Stevens was walking across Clapham Common on her way to work when unexpectedly a person or creature lunged at her from a nearby dark alleyway. It grabbed her and using its claws, tore her clothes and scratched her skin. It also began to rub its face on hers, and some accounts even say it was forcibly kissing her face. Mary soon let out a loud scream, bringing people from around to investigate and forcing the figure to flee. When questioned about the encounter, Mary noted that the figure's touch was, quote, cold and clammy as those of a corpse, end quote. To most people... This story would likely lead to the assumption that it was just a despicable attacker. But this was only the beginning. Like some gross guy with poor circulation, I guess. Yeah, just like a <laughs> yeah, a creeper. A creeper. The following day, another bizarre occurrence would occur. And this time, it was right next to Mary Stevens' home. A mysterious figure dashed out into the road, blocking an oncoming carriage, which in an effort to veer away from impact caused a terrible crash. The figure was spotted by onlookers who state that it jumped over nine feet, or nearly three meters, over a wall to escape. Not long after the figure or creature seemingly struck again, only this time it was at a local fair, where a barmaid named Polly Adams was the victim. The attack came from another dark corner, just like the first. Her blouse was ripped off, and her abdomen was scratched by his claws. Damn. As onlookers rushed to help, the figure once again fled, this time also jumping over a veritable fence. (laughs) Okay, this is just his escape tactic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this guy's, like, obsessed with it. He's like, where's the fence? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I gotta find the fence so I can jump, you know. As the attacks began to mount, the mysterious figure earned the title of Spring-Heeled Jack. Reports presumed it was just a criminal. It wasn't till a few months later, on February 19th of 1838, that the story began to get infinitely more, shall we say, paranormal. <laughs> Wait, jumping offenses and paranormal? <laughs> well, 
jumping really, really tall and clawing people, that's a little weird. That's true. But this, it's about to get way weirder. Okay, cool. A young woman by the name of Jane Alsup was living at her father's home. On this particular night, she heard a knocking at her front door. The voice behind the door claimed that it was the police and that, quote, we have caught spring Jack here in the lane, end quote, and that she should bring a light. Only when she opened the door, it was apparent the figure in the doorway was not a police officer. The figure wore a dark black cloak. As she presented the candle to him, his cloak flew open and, according to Jane, quote, presented a most hideous and frightful appearance, end quote. His garments were that of a tight-fitting white oilskin. His eyes were glowing red, and he vomited blue <gasps> and white flames from his mouth, which was encased in a large helmet, according Ew. to Jane. He immediately grabbed her and began to rip and shred her clothing and flesh with his claws. She screamed in agony and even managed to break free for a moment, only to have him pursue her and grab her on the stairs. Oh, he then God. clawed her neck and arms. When all hope seemed lost, Jane's sister arrived on the scene and was able to chase the attacker or creature off. Wow. This, I guess he can't uh, take on two women. He's like, no, no, one too many. He only has enough blue and white vomit flame. For one. For one. <laughs> this story appeared in The Times with the sensational headline, Outrage on a Young Lady. And at that moment, the tales of spring Jack were known throughout England. What year was this again? Like like you, it totally went over my head. 1838. Okay, 1838. All right. A man named Thomas Milbank claimed in a drunken ramble that it was he who was spring Jack. He, <laughs> he was arrested, but never convicted of the crime. Reports from that time claimed that this was due to Jane Alsop swearing that the creature breathed flames from his mouth, which I find compelling because she easily could have let this man take the blame for it. But she didn't. Or at the very least, you know, it would have been like, yeah, I would like him off the streets and and that was him. You know what I mean? Like, if it was him, she probably would have known. Well, she was utterly convinced of the details of her encounter. Yeah. Although like, it was wearing a helmet. You said, So you say helmet? So, you I know, more... I, this might be language of the time. Yeah. Some of us might say mask. Some of us might say crazy hat <laughs> crazy helmet hat yeah no i so don't know so i think the idea is the face was obviously under something it, okay. there was some sort of so yeah okay occlusion or whatnot but you know i'm at the the whimsy of the reports that i get i i can't uh, <laughs> right we don't know anything else so yeah but she was com completely convinced of the paranormal element, so this guy was never convicted, and he walked She's free. like, show me your flames, yeah. and he had none. So. I mean, he didn't have claws, and he was alive, so his flesh wasn't cold. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. Nine days after the attack on Jane Alsop, he would strike again. Lucy Scales and her sister were walking down Green Dragon Alley, which I have to say is a rather unexpected name for a street anywhere on Earth. <laughs> But so they were going down Green Dragon Alley. Green Dragon Alley. They had just been visiting with their brother. They noticed a tall man wearing a dark cloak carrying a lantern, not unlike those that local police would carry. As they neared the figure, in their passing, he lunged forward and spouted blue flames <gasps> into her face, into Lucy's face. Lucy instantly fell to the ground and began convulsing in spasms and fits. 
What the fuck? Her brother, who had heard the commotion, came running only to find Lucy in a wild fit on the ground with her sister attempting to contain it. These fits would allegedly last for hours. To me, I don't know, it sounds a lot like a seizure. Well, yeah, but like hours? Yeah. And the strange figure was nowhere to be found when the brother got there. So what, okay, so the sister's attention obviously went to her convulsing sister. Exactly, on the ground. probably didn't see what direction he left, but, so she also saw the flames, like Mm -hmm. this was confirmed both. So this one didn't have the clawing like the first one did, but we have a second account just a few days later with a woman completely unrelated to the first. The flames once again occurred. Did, um, did the sister ever get out of her fit, like her convulsions, or? Uh. I mean, I assume she didn't die, but I don't know. They did not say. <laughs> okay. But they do mention something a little bit later that I'm going to get to. And, and right when I get to that, we'll come back to this and talk okay. about it. Okay. Okay. Both of these incidents were considered important because unlike other reports, these were happening in the city and not on the outskirts of London. As mm. awful as this sounds, people were more concerned when it wasn't just faceless peasant folk. Kind of sad. Yeah, kind of sad when you realize how many things uh, have never really changed. It's like you could hear something horrible happening, but it only matters when it's getting close to you. It's like, oh, it's affecting, you know, the important people, the rich, the people with power, like who can do something about it. Yeah. So these last two, which made like headlines in the newspaper, they were happening like in London proper. And people were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, what? Yeah. These are like hicks in the country. Like, (laughs) Yeah, that's just what hicks do. Blue fire and stabbing. As you know. (laughs) Yeah. As long as they just provide the food, we're good. Oh, man. That sucks. Yeah. It's pretty awful. Yeah. So these two incidents also helped cement the visual that would forever be attached to Spring-Heeled Jack. And that is of a cross between a gentleman and the devil. Mm. It has been claimed that Spring-Heeled Jack was the result of at least nine reported attacks, seven of which were claimed to cause the women to... And I apologize for the misogynist and antiquated language, but it said, quote, lose their senses, end quote. Oh, sure. So that was of the first seven that were attacked. The other two were believed to have died. Oh, whoa. So this is what I mean by I'm not sure because I don't know if the girl who spasmed, if she was one of the ones where her senses were lost or if she died. But two women are allegedly reported to have died from these attacks. Okay. That's so that means like I'm assuming clawed to death or maybe the seizures like that it was an unpleasantness like it it was not just a prankster two people died right yeah that's intense okay so it's getting a little more interesting now once again yeah, well, we're still bordering is this something paranormal or is this a true crime like bastard running around the city killing women yeah. and apparently scratching the hell out of them yeah. So the people of England began to incorporate tales of Spring-Heeled Jack into their everyday lives, and his mention became a popular feature. Penny Dreadfuls, which were cheap literary magazines with appalling subject matter, at least in relation to the time, were full of stories of Spring-Heeled Jack. Even those cliche puppet shows that you always see in movies, they did <laughs> exist. And, you know, kids did watch them. They were known as Punch and Judy shows. Hmm. Would often feature a devil figure. Only now... During this time, the devil figure was always referred to uh, as Spring-Heeled Jack. It was kind of becoming a thing in the yeah. culture. This is where I think no matter what you think it 
because this, it starts to transcend into cryptid. Because right. plays, stories, and other media of the time often would use Jack as a sit-in for demonic or devil characters. And in many ways, it feels a bit like how the public reacted to the serial killer Son of Sam mm-hmm. back in the 70s. Or at least the way it was portrayed in the movie Summer of Sam, where it kind of like... Like everyone was very scared to like encounter like they could have been the next one the or something. fear at night was because of sam right. it was no longer just a generic attacker they weren't worried about a million different people everyone was just scared of this, this one sam yeah by this point people began to panic sir john cohen who was then lord mayor of london was inundated with sightings from all over the city the reports claimed that a demonic creature was terrorizing the area. Many of the previous reported attributes rung true, such as his fierce claws, burning eyes, and ice-cold touch. Most incredibly was the allegations that the creature was jumping between the rooftops of houses mm. and that its leaps reached as high as 10 feet in the air. Cohen, in an attempt to calm the masses, claimed that it was likely a group of wealthy troublemakers causing all of this terror. But people were not so easily convinced. Right. Spring-heeled Jack's attacks were distinct from others because the reports would often describe his claws, eyes, and his predisposition to leaping in a rather inhuman way, both in his attacks and retreats from the victims. The authorities responded to these with earnest conviction. The people believed, and so did they. It was said that at one point the Duke of Wellington grabbed his gun, mounted his horse, and ventured out in an effort to kill this fearsome creature. This is the same Duke of Wellington who defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. Nice. Only he was pushing 70 at the time. <laughs> so at you this still point, got it. it's hard to tell if this is actually true or if this is just rumor or old wives tale or something like that. Okay. But, but it, uh, there were more than a few sources I found that said this happened. <laughs> and it, it could be because this other story, it may be related or not. But there was another Napoleonic war hero, Admiral Edward Codrington, offered up a reward for the capture of Spring Hill Jack, too. So there were some pretty hmm. important figures in British society at the time who were tied to reacting to this Spring Hill Jack. So, so, I mean, it was taking a toll on its people, and so it was it was finally taken seriously as well. So, okay, that's kind of interesting. Like, I... Usually when you hear it, it's like, listen, we're just going to let the people take care of it themselves or mm-hmm. they're full of it. Like, it's not a devil. It's some guy or something. But, but now you're yeah. at least kind of seeing how this has is 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 at least partially encrypted territory. It's yeah. a weird one. This is a whole weird story. Yeah, it is very strange. The blue flames, that still gets me. It trips me out. Because, yeah. I mean, did they really have the technology to make a mask that could do that easily back then I mean, if like, it was fake? I, the only thing I keep picturing in my head is like a welder. But I don't know how I mean, this they would have... I don't know. Like, I mean, the Industrial Revolution really was in the 1800s, but this is early 1800s. Yeah. They'd have to be pretty rich to get all the stuff they... I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> the sightings continued for many years and helped cement spring Jack in the minds of British folk. These attacks would be reported from all over England and some as far north as Scotland. All of the reports were nearly identical in their portrayal of Jack. Wow. And during the 1850s and 60s, the public reacted to it as a continual menace. Less people would be on the streets at night, and even groups of concerned patrons would unite and search the street at night in pursuit of spring Jack. 
As late as the 1870s, we saw a report from Lincolnshire in which townsfolk allegedly confronted Jack after he was sighted. They opened fire on him only to have him <laughs> laugh off the wounds and run away, leaping over walls and jumping between roofs. Okay, well, I mean, I, I know that, like, he got away, but I am really happy that they didn't just, like, kill some poor dude, like, who kind of resembled him or something, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, we got him, and it wasn't him or something. Some tall guy. <laughs> just some tall guy. <laughs> Tall guy who hadn't, like, cut his nails in a little while because yeah. he was poor. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh. In 1877, Jack allegedly attacked soldiers at the Aldershot military base. A mysterious figure that matched the description of Jack was seen approaching in a menacing way. He leapt on one of the soldiers, delivering either blows or slaps to his face. I, I, some said blows, some said slaps. Slaps sounds funny to me. Like but- a... Something hit their face. Yeah, there, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was contact. <laughs> and another soldier opened fire on him. And Jack, unfazed by the bullet, leapt away once again at speeds and heights described as inhuman. That is so weird. I just, I really, it just, to me, seems very comical. Like, he's just, like, bouncing off into the distance. I don't and know. I can't help but picture, I'm picturing something that's kind of like, Jack Skellington, because I'm picturing a very lengthy, oh, tall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Wow, that's creepy. So, and if you look at pictures of these, it really is a guy who's dressed in, like, a suit, but he's got, like, a devil face, mm-hmm. and fire's always coming out of his mouth and stuff, and he's got <laughs> claws. That is, like, the most, like, stereotypical devil description, you know what I mean? And this might actually be one of the origins of that right. image of the devil as being a gentleman devil. That because is so this is weird. kind of how they start describing as the gentleman devil. I really do wonder if maybe this might be one of the origins of how we see that personification of him wearing a suit but right. he's a devil. Like yeah. With claws and the horns and just It might know. have completely other origins as well. I'm just saying there there's this or maybe it had origins for and people when they heard about Spring Hill Jack it they solidified they that they associated them together. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Huh. The last reported sighting, or at least the last one given credence to, was made in Liverpool in nineteen oh four when a figure was seen leaping impossible heights over the rooftops. But the legacy of Spring Hill Jack lives on. More than a few sources claim that children were told stories growing up that if they misbehaved, spring <laughs> Jack would come. And because of his abilities, he could leap to their windows no matter how many stories up they were and would stare at them with his fiery, burning eyes. Oh, fuck no. That is such a scary story to say. Yeah, he, he essentially became an alternate boogeyman for children in London for the time in the late 1800s yeah. and early 1900s. Like... These kids grew up, and he was, you know, some people said, oh, the boogeyman. But over there, they were like, spring Hill Jack, we'll get you. Nice. Now, here, here's when stuff gets a little more interesting. <laughs> In conclusion, rather. In conclusion. So what was spring Hill Jack? Many theories exist from the supernatural to the more grounded. And some claim he is of supernatural origin, and others believe he is to be a, from a group of aristocratic pranksters. Was there actually a demonic presence in London or just a series of attacks and copycats that helped fuel a public panic and mutually shared hysteria? Hmm. Who knows? But whatever it was, the legend seems to have endured. One book titled Jack the Ripper Letters from Hell postulates that spring Jack may have played a part in the naming of Jack the Ripper, a name that first appeared in the letters sent to police. 
but we may never actually know. Oh, that would be that's interesting. Which yeah. actually ties that last bit. So so that's just a postulation that like because there were a lot of letters sent lot that uh, investigators at the time said these mm-hmm. are fakes sent by fakes and whatnot, but one of them did apparently signed Spring Hill Jack saying taking claim for the kills. Oh wow. And so it's possible that Jack may have been associated with it because it was in the consciousness of the mind of the terror of the streets yeah. named Jack. The, the Jack Thurper is a completely different, it's a whole can of beans, and it may not actually have anything to do with that. This is just what one author was but suggesting. But you can see how, like, a lot of people, it's like, okay, there's another killer, you know, mm-hmm. and then this Jack, spring-heeled Jack is still out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can totally see the association. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. just this author's theory. I'm not saying that's actually true. We will never cover Jack the Ripper on this because that is 100% true crime. Right. Um, even though it is terrifying and, and actually super fascinating, I just don't think it's where our podcast is covering. But, so how I found out about spring Jack is, I, it popped up on my news and I was like, why do I know that name? And it took me a while to remember. There's a video game I played mm-hmm. as a kid <laughs> uh, called Shadow Man, and the very beginning of the game there's this guy who is giving a like a monologue and he's a terrible person and a murderer and he says like i am known by many names and he's listing all these names and some of the names he lists are jack the ripper and spring hill jack and he keeps going and i remember as a kid going what the hell is spring hill jack right and then i forgot about it when i saw it online a few days ago the name (laughs) rung a bell it took me a few minutes to go oh my god from that game and that's just where it was. So it was. It's, it all came back to it's you. It's all there. I uh, had I had heard of this story, sort of. So as you know, or like have we just talked about earlier, that once you start researching or like looking up certain things, other things start popping up. And absolutely, Spring Hill Jack was one of them as as far as it. And I did actually. I don't want to say like stored it or put it anywhere but it is on a list that i had as a possible cryptid to cover in the future so i'm very excited that i learned about it now that it it was a good story i should say well so it, it probably was just you know a guy or a group of guys doing horrible stuff because it sounds like they might have just been pulling pranks maybe one went too far or a copycat decided to do it and killed people you don't know but at the same time the idea you can imagine how an entire city was terrified because there's this idea of this creature that looks kind of like the devil with claws or hands attacking women breathing flames but he's dressed in like gentleman clothes and can jump over giant buildings and between rooftops it's kind of like this idea that oh this thing can attack you and then get away real quick like there's no there's no beating it and there's it, nothing there, you can do there's about nothing it. you can do about it yeah and it can appear at any moment because a lot of the people that were encountering you know this creature didn't even know at first like it mm-hmm. you know they, they were tricked just like a devil would trick anyone like they would appear a certain way and then all of a sudden attack yeah that is pretty terrifying so part of me thinks because two women saw the breathing flames one theory that popped in my mind is i mean so fireworks existed this i mean fireworks yeah. has existed for a long time from china but fireworks being in europe definitely existed by then yeah and so i'm imagining some guy who's wearing a mask to conceal Mm. himself and he's got like fireworks that go off in his thing and maybe the flash of the fireworks tripped an epileptic seizure right in this one girl and that wouldn't have otherwise had been triggered wouldn't have otherwise been triggered yeah and that it might have been you know a bunch of horrible people and even saying prank makes it sound 
less than it was because they were clawing women's flesh and tearing off the yeah. I'm going to say, like, women-hating assholes. Like, they were, like, a gang. Like, they're, yeah. they're terrorizing and, yeah. And it just maybe became this whole thing. But whether or not that's where it originated, it got to the point where people were terrified of an actual monster. So, at the very least, the public believed in this monster and kids were raised being terrified of this monster regardless of its origin it is now a monster that exists in their public consciousness yeah which i think is terrifying but also fascinating i would like to know how they managed to leap so high if it was kind of like a like okay okay, let's just imagine it was a super athletic guy who did it and every time someone told the story again during Mm -hmm. you know the the game of telephone yeah it was like the guy jumped over like a wicked four foot wall but then it became a five foot wall and then a six foot wall and then then maybe at some point once someone got to 15 and didn't believe it so that it started going back down and 10 (laughs) was kind of where it stayed where it was high enough that people were like holy crap that's inhuman but low enough that people are like you're a lying sack of poo right so maybe that's just what happened yeah they just had to like calibrate (laughs) and i'd also like to point out you know whenever we were in england a lot of the houses and whatnot they really are, you know, They a lot of them share walls and the roofs are pretty close. It's not unreasonable to think even, you know, back then, someone who was athletic and... Could leap in between. Could leap between roofs. I totally agree. It's not agree. something you would see normally, so seeing someone doing it would... Without falling it would or startle slipping. you. But yeah, yeah if, if you have this guy who can jump over a giant wall, yeah, he I could see him running between the... This is just what he does. Yeah. Yeah, He's that's... He's a prick. That is, <laughs> he sucks. So anyway... That's my little cryptid, true crime, whatever you want to call it, Spring Hill Jack. It just, it fascinated me because I remembered when I was a kid and playing that game. By the way, it's a super good game. All you gamers out there, it just got remastered and re-released. If you guys are gamers, I highly recommend you play Shadow Man. But if you guys don't play games, ignore everything I just said. Anyway, there we go. That's my story. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Chates. And yeah, so I think that brings us to the end of our episode. I don't have... Any updates of any sorts to provide, I guess. There is a chance, although where we're staying currently in our situation, we're going to be moving soon. And I hope I can finally see the stuff that we've had in store for months again. (laughs) Yeah, and so hopefully we can get a sound studio that is set up really nicely. We've been doing really good with our audio quality Yeah, here. it's actually worked out really well where we are right now, but... But bear with us if for some reason we have an episode or two in the next month where the sound quality is a little bit different. It is 100% a temporary thing. Don't because judge us. we're not traveling, but we're in a totally temporary situation. But yeah. So anyway, thank you for listening. And of course, if you guys have any stories that you want us to cover and you have some recommendations, feel free to do so on hotwpodcast at gmail.com. You can also give us some cool personal stories that you might have that we'll include in our next listener story episode which is actually coming up it is coming up i'm very excited about this like so over the moon i I love we already have a few friends who've committed to telling us some stories so we got some good stuff if you want yours in that episode you got to get it to us sooner rather than later yeah and then obviously if the episode comes and goes then there's always going to be another one so don't worry um, and obviously, like if something happens to you in the meantime, let us know eventually. <laughs> don't don't feel shy. We'll we'll believe you. Anyway, um, I hope you guys enjoyed our episode. And if you guys are just you know on your way to work, that's cool. Or if you're just hanging out at home because you had way too much fun the night before, well, don't worry. 
the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye.